Well, happy trunk or treat uh, Sunday. Woo! Yeah, thought y'all would be more excited about free candy. There it is. Good, good. Hey, welcome to Highlight Church. Let's uh, show some love to our first time guest, everyone. Let's. We thank God that you're here today. And uh, we are in our final installment of a series entitled Dream Big. I know, right? Has this been a great series or what? Wow. Wow. Should I extend it? No. I've ran out of content. Oh, man. So next one's going to, you're going to need the next one for this one. So um, let's let's finish this one strong. Um, so today I want to bring a message to you entitled "Think Big, Think Big." Uh, and so we're gonna start out here in Proverbs twenty nine eighteen, and it says this: It's the Message translation. It says, "If people can't see, someone say can't see." What God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. There's a stark contrast there. When you can't see, when you, when you don't know what God's vision is for your life, you go through life, but you tend to stumble. Um, yes, life happens, life is tough, Uh, we all have our challenges, but when we don't know what God is doing or what he wants to do, it's really, really hard. Um, But I love this, it says here, but when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. That word blessed in the Hebrew, which is the original language here in Proverbs, it means happy. And so, uh, you know, hopefully we've been able to inspire you for the first two weeks to uh, dream big. Um, Last week, I'd encourage you to check out the podcast. We talked about what it looks like to write a vision or dream, and uh, it'll bless you. Simply put, this verse tells me that God wants you to know what he is doing, and he wants you to dream big. He wants you to know, and he wants you to dream big. So like I said, go back to week two in the podcast. You have to get that one in order to fully understand what it is we're going to talk about this morning. Um, So today, we're going to take a journey with a man named Isaiah. He's he's what is considered a major prophet. And uh, he's a major prophet because his book is so long. So there are 66 books in the Bible. Isaiah has 66 chapters. His book is, is actually called the Mini Bible. And uh, he, was, he prophesied the most about Jesus. The word prophecy means to foretell or to declare God's word. So he talked the most about Jesus out of any prophet before Jesus was born. And so he was extremely accurate and precise in his messages. Um, he had a big platform. He preached for about 60 years to the nation of Judah. Uh, He preached around 700 
in 34 to 32 BC, it was really the big, biggest three years of his ministry, there was a civil war going on between Israel. Israel was the northern kingdom. Israel was composed of 10 tribes out of the 12 tribes of Israel. Judah was composed of two. So they were going through a civil war, and Assyria attacks Israel, the northern kingdom, in 722 B.C. It would be about another 80 to 90 years before Babylon takes over Assyria, and then they take Judah. So Babylon will eventually become the new power of the world. Um, And it's within this context of civil war that Isaiah is speaking. And um, he, he just tells him, yeah, all this bad stuff is going to happen, but there is hope. There's restoration. There's something big and good for your life. And it's funny because Isaiah's prophecies didn't just apply to that time. They also apply to our time today. Ultimately, he was promising that God would restore all nations through Jesus Christ. So I'd encourage you to read the book of Isaiah, 66 chapters. And uh, right now, we're going to pick it up in Isaiah 55, uh, verse 1. And he says this, is anyone thirsty? Come and drink. Even if you have no money, this is God speaking through Isaiah. Come take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? Listen to me. Listen to me. Because in order to dream big, you have to be a big thinker. Listen to me, the Lord is saying. I want, I want your ear. There's a difference in hearing someone versus listening to someone. Hearing is hearing sound. A, a, a lot of you hear me right now. Listening is processing what you're hearing and uh, being introspective. He says, listen to me, and you will eat what is good. It's funny. Th- this is kind of a parallel between what Jesus told Satan in Matthew 4, verse 4, uh, um, you know, he was fasting, and Satan said, turn these stone into bread. And Jesus said to Satan, uh, man shall not live off of physical bread alone, but off of every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You're going to thrive on the word of God. You're going to prosper on the word of God. You're going to gain clarity on the word of God. You're going to see your destiny on the word of God. The word of God. So he says, listen to me. And it says this here. Come to me. Verse 3. Come to me with your ears wide open and listen and you will find life. I will make an everlasting covenant. The word covenant there means promise. It means that God is going to bind himself to your life. No matter where you are, God is there. He's confined himself to your life. Even when you break covenant, I am in covenant with you. Because I want you to progress, and I want you to be blessed, and I want you to see what it is that I'm doing. So I'm confined to you, even when you're not confined to me. I love you. And he says this here. um, And I will give you the unfailing love I promised David. See how I used him to display my power among the peoples. I made him a leader among the nations. I love this language here. He says, see how I used him, and I made him. I love that. That takes the pressure off of me. You got me, Marcus? 
that takes the pressure off of me trying to be great. I just simply have to be willing to be used and to be made and to humble myself, and God will make me great. He said, see how I made David. So he's talking to Judah. Judah at this point is two nations, verses 10. We Pequinto versus Grande. <laughs> and I love this contrast because if you know anything about David, David started out as a little shepherd boy. They, they wouldn't know what God, what Isaiah is talking about because David was just a little shepherd. And he said, I, I know you are where you are today. I know you, you look small, you seem small, and because of it, you think small. But I, I want to tell you that when David was 15, I called him and I set him aside to be a king as a teenager. And by the age of 30, he stepped into his kingship because I am a God of incremental growth. It's not you get the big dream or the big vision today and you step into it tomorrow. It's you get it and I have to, I have to process you. So I'm going to make you great. So he's telling them all these great things, all these promises, and I'm going to restore the nations and all this stuff. And we're going to slow it down here. I'm just giving you context. Is that okay? We're going to get practical and all that good stuff. Verse 5. He said, you will command nations, and uh, you do not know. And peoples unknown to you will come running to obey, because I, the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, have made you glorious. I love that, man. I just purely have to listen and serve and listen and obey and trust and do what he says. And I'll look up in five years. I'm in a higher place. I'll look up in 10 years. I'm in an even higher place. I'll look up in 20 years. I can, I can stop fighting the Lord. I can be humble. I can stop arguing with leadership. I can stop complaining about my bosses. I can take this training, and God can just raise me up because he's making me great. I don't have to put any effort into it. I'm going to just let him make me great and all that good stuff. This is what he's saying. I've made you glorious. Only just listen. And then he takes this shoop. So he's making all these promises, and he, he takes a quick right turn. True. 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 God wants to increase your effectiveness, your influence in your life. He is a big God with big dreams for your life. But then he takes an interesting turn. Isaiah 55, verse 6 says this, Seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him now while he is near. Let the wicked change their ways. And this is where, in my study, these four words. Banish the very thought. So I just, I just gave you a big picture. But, but the thing that's going to stop that big vision is your thinking. Banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that, they may have mercy, that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God, for he will forgive generously. I want to zone in on those four words. Banish the very thought. 
Put it like this. If it's wrong, then it's not right. If it's wrong, then it's not right. Watch this. And wrong minimizes the potential of you stepping into a big dream. So if it's wrong, it's not right. I'm not talking about sin. I'm not talking about wrong actions. I'm not talking about activity. Don't miss me on this. We, we, you know, we want people to come to Jesus. I'm not condemning you and all that stuff. No, no. I'm talking about banish the thought that is heading in the wrong direction. Banish the mentality that is heading in the wrong direction. Because if it's wrong, it minimizes the potential of you stepping into a big dream. So, in essence, what he's saying is banish small thinking. You may be from a small town, but you're not small. You may be from a broken family, but you're not broken. You may be from a dysfunctional family, but you're not dysfunctional. Banish the small. Banish the small thinking. If it's wrong, then it's not right. Small thinkers, oh, man. Let's talk about small thinkers. Small thinkers want more of what they have. A a, a small thinker only wants more of what they already have. They want Netflix. You want Netflix. (laughs) Well, you have the right to be a small thinker. You're small. You should be back there with the small thinkers. They're going to be big thinkers. They know everything they will ever know. Small thinkers don't pursue more education, more knowledge. Um, Proverbs says that the fool despises wisdom. Small thinkers. Small thinkers have gone everywhere that they will ever go. And what God is telling Judah is you won't be stuck here for the rest of your life. So don't don't even think that where you currently are is all that there is to life because I have more for you. God is a God of increase. As a matter of fact, Isaiah even said about Jesus, to the increase of his government, there will be no end. So that's a promise for your life. To the, to the, to the increase of what God wants to do through you and for you and in you, there is not supposed to be an end. Small thinkers don't want anything. They just want what they have. And so God is saying, I need you to banish the thought. Small thinking, this is why, because a small thinking can't support the weight of a big dream. Small thinking cannot support the weight of a big dream. And so what God wants to do is he wants to increase the capacity of our thinking so that we can pursue the big vision. God can show you something big. But if your idea about who you are is small, you will not pursue that vision. If you're focused on the past and who hurt you and who did you wrong, if you're focused on A, B, C, and X, Y, Z, you won't pursue that vision. So you need to banish the thought of small thinking. And I I said this in week one, when I ask people, where do you see yourself in five years? Where do you see yourself in 10 years? They say, I don't know. I already know you're thinking small. 
And this is the irony in it. You don't know where you're going for the next five years, but you don't want to go to work tomorrow. We got we to gotta start to think big. Um, we're, we're, we have this, uh, this app called Slack, and uh, all of our teams are on it. And I'm just seeing dreams roll in. I want to I wanna do this and own this business for the Lord, and I want to do Christian yoga for the Lord and, and studio. And I want to, you know, we want to move, and we want to come back. And, uh, and just these big dreams. Small thinking will undermine a big dream. An offended heart will undermine a big dream. A gossiping spirit will undermine a big dream. Worried about what someone else has or doesn't have or is or is not doing will undermine a big dream. Focusing on your lack will undermine a big dream. Focusing on your illness, and we're going to pray for you, but focusing on your illness and your sickness will undermine a big dream. Focusing on the divorce will undermine a big dream. Focusing on negativity will undermine a big dream focusing on the fact that your dad was not there and he probably won't ever be there will undermine a big dream so he's saying banish repel throw off the very thought focusing on the comforts of today will undermine a big dream of tomorrow do not become so comfortable with the 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 ins and outs and the and the and the same 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 stuff of today Get from, comfort will stop you from pursuing a big dream. Banish the very thought is what the Lord is saying. So what I want to do is let's go ahead and keep reading here. And it says this here. um, It says this here. My thoughts, verse 8, are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. And my thoughts higher than than your thoughts. I want to give you four ways to increase the capacity of your thinking. Number one, stretch your thinking. Stretch your thinking. If a rubber band is left alone, it does not reach its capacity. But when you stretch it, you see what it's capable of. How do I stretch my thinking? Simply put, I must read, study, and fill my mind with God's word. I know it's simple, but it's extremely profound. I must read, study, and fill my mind with the word of God. Romans 12, 2 says this. It says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. By changing the way you think. Some biblical uh, translations use conform. So what does that mean? My mind can be shaped in a certain way. But the Bible is sitting here and is saying that allow the word of God to shape, to stretch your mentality. Allow it to inform, to saturate, to dominate the way that you think. God said that my thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways are not your ways. Don't follow the customs of the world. The customs of Instagram and Facebook and CNN and Fox News and MSNBC, but allow me to shape the way that you think. Allow me to shape the way that you think about your marriage, the way that you think about singleness, the way that you think about your supervisors and your studies. Allow me to shape the way you see church. Allow me to to shape it. I want to 
I want to shape it. And one way that you stretch your thinking is that you get into the word of God. It's one of the first things that I did early on in my Christianity. I gave my life to Christ, and like two days later, I would spend hours in the word of God. And before I knew it, my my mind was being shaped. Instead of uh, sleeping with this one girl and dating this other one, there were two all at the same time. I said, oh, my God, Paul just told me to flee sexual immorality. I have to shape it. And so, girl, I can't mess with you, and I can't mess with you because you're going to prevent the husband that God is creating me to be. My dream is to be a husband, not to be a, I got allowed to shape me. I have to allow it to shape me. Then you, you go through things, you, you read things like John 14, 12, where Jesus said, anyone who believes in me shall do greater works. Which tells me that the works I'm doing today aren't as great as the works I'm going to do tomorrow. So I got to allow it to shape my mentality. It means it doesn't stop here. There, there are more people. There's more work. There's more studying. There's more knowledge. There's more, more wisdom. There's more resource. There's more money. There's more connections. There's more. There's greater. There's more. There's greater. I got to get away from small thinking when God is saying that there's more. And he can do it exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can imagine or think. There's more. I have to allow it to shape, to shape, to shape. This is great. It is full in here. We probably have record attendance today. But guess what? This is too small because God has shaped my mind to think. i got to stretch my thinking. Now shape. Stretch your thinking. And he says this here, this is why it's important to stretch your thinking. Then you will learn. You see that? You will learn to know, which tells me this. Judah did not know. (laughs) We We really don't know. The vastness, the quality, the quantity the intrinsic value of what God wants to do through our lives. He said, then you will learn to know. That's why I said, my thoughts are not your thoughts. You you think that's success. You think that salary, you think right there, that 150 G's, you think that's success. You think that neighborhood is success. That car, God said, you're thinking too small. You're thinking too small. He said, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good. Watch this. Pleasing and perfect. My thinking must stretch to the dimensions of God's word. Number two, if you're going to increase the capacity of your thinking, you've got to surround yourself with big thinkers. I had a best friend, um, I knew him since middle school, but we got close our, my, our junior year in high school, and uh, I was a fairly okay academic student. You know, I made my, my little 3.2, but, um, you know, he was like a 4.4. <laughs> like he was AP, graduating in the eighth grade. I mean, we were, in, we were juniors, what am I saying? And, um, man, we just... The thing that brought us together, though, was basketball. And so one thing I noticed about him is he had a circle of friends, but it was only a few, uh, maybe three or four people. 
And the more I hanged around him, and I really admired him a lot. You know, it wasn't cool to be with him because, you know, I'm a varsity basketball player. He's kind of nerdy. But I, I wanted that. You know what I mean? I wanted that because nerds rule the world. Right? Right, Damien? Uh, Lighten it up a little bit. Yeah, y'all rule the world. And, uh, you know, the more I just, I got around them and my grades started coming up and um, even my relationship with my parents began to increase. How they were thinking began to rub off on me. Surround yourself with big thinkers, solution finders, problem solvers. People that think in terms of steps, details, process. I love it. You writers are giving me life up here. People who know how to get from A to Z. Surround yourself with big thinkers, people who think big about their spiritual walk with Christ. People who think progressively. They got a nonprofit idea, a vision. They want to have influence in government. People who think in terms of maximizing finances. Get around people who understand credit scores and how to eliminate debt. Get around people who think about making a difference outside of their neighborhood, into the city, the state, and the region. You got to surround yourself around big thinkers. People who, when you go and have lunch and dinner with them, yes, the food is good, but they're ready to, to think big. They want to process big. They're not gossiping. They're not complaining. It's not worry. It's not this person and that person. Big thinkers. If you want to stretch your thinking, get around big thinkers. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says this. Bad company corrupts good character. So that must mean that good company improves good character. When you surround yourself with big thinkers, you will begin to think big. It's one way you stretch the capacity of your thinking. The third way is to have big talk. You want to stretch your thinking, have big talk. We were just with a church in uh, Washington, D.C. Uh, took a few of our leaders to a meeting this week. And uh, Pastor Josh, he, he's amazing. Not talking about me, but this other pastor, Josh. And uh, we were just kind of looking at their, because, you know, they're like, they have eight locations and thousands of people attending. And they see our process and they want it to pour into us because they see our trajectory is similar, if not even even quicker than theirs. They're 22 years old. Um, and, and, and I was telling him that I asked him a question about starting a second highlight location in about three or four years. And, and he just straight up said, he said, you know, you have to plan for and think bigger than two campuses. You ought to be planning for those 20 that you're talking about even now. Strategize for the 20 now. That way... When you're ready to start the second location, the, the ideas are budgeted into the, the, the conceptual approach that you're going to take 
to reaching the 20 campuses. Once you get to the second campus, if you're only planning for the second campus, you won't, you won't know what to do when you get there. So plan right now. What does 20 campuses look like? I'm like, man, that is, that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot. I can't even fathom. That's deep. I can't, I can't even fathom. But he's saying if you would plan for 20, you won't have to worry about the two because it falls in line. What did he do in that moment? We, he stretched my thinking. And we were having big talk. Have big talk. I love it. Proverbs 15.22 says this. Plans go wrong for lack of advice. So God can give you a dream. You can write it week two. You can strategize for it. But many advisors bring success. If you don't have the right people talking to you, you will not succeed at the vision that God has given to you. Learn how to have big talk. You know what happened with Eve in the garden? She was having small talk. Eat the fruit. That's small talk. She should have told the serpent, serpent, Satan, devil, do you see all of these trees? That I can eat from. And, and you want me to eat from this one tree. This one fruit. My man got it. This one fruit. She was having small talk. And this is why we're in the situation we're in today. Because of small talk. Have big talk. I'm telling you. I, I want to give you a, a key here. If you're going around the same friends and you see that the context of the, situ- of the conversations are the same all the time, how are you doing? How's your mom? How's work? He's a jerk. He's this. He's that. You're having small talk. But when you get around people, they're ready. How's your life? Are you still pursuing that dream? Are you growing in your character? Do you love your wife? Are you staying pure in your singleness? What have you written lately? Have you entered school? You told me you'd do it two years ago. Are you in school? Those are big talkers. Have big talk. He says, my thoughts are not, my ways are not your ways. If you want to stretch your thinking, this is my fourth thing. You have to learn to serve big dreamers. Y'all are not going to like this one. But this is the best one. Serve big dreamers. King David, I love it. The prophet compared King David to Judah. I already told you this. King David served King Saul faithfully for almost 10 years prior to becoming king. God will not forget about the vision and the dream that he's put in your heart when you're serving someone else's dream. As a matter of fact, it's one of his qualifiers to see if he can release you into your dream. Because in the process of you serving someone else's dream, he's purifying the motive that you have for pursuing the dream that he's put on your heart. So, so if I can take care, if I can be delicate with someone else's dream, if I can take care of the cords and the monitors and and the pipe and drape and the fouls and the office and the emails, if I can, the numbers and the budget and, and p- taking out the trash, whatever I'm assigned to do at the current company that I work at, if I can take care of that and care for that and own that and make it mine and love that, it is a pre-qualifier for God to release me into my vision. 
God will not trust you with the big dream until you learn how to serve other big dreamers. You see it all throughout the Bible. David, Joseph, Joshua. It's all, it's, the, it's who God is. Well, I want to do my own thing. Get under a big dreamer. John Maxwell put it like this. This is an amazing book. Uh, the 360-degree leader, John Maxwell. Get it in your life. My girl said, yeah, you're right, Pastor. You probably didn't say Pastor. We said Josh. I don't know. All right, cool. He said this, the ego challenge, okay? Can I read? Yeah. Praise the Lord. We're almost out of here, actually. He says this, every now and then, he, he's the top leadership dude in the world. He's spoken at all the biggest companies, so that, that's his resume. Anyway, he says this, every now and then, when I'm teaching a day-long leadership conference, an attendee will come up during the break, look at me and say, wow, what a great job. I want to do what you do. And he says, my job is wonderful, and I'll admit that. But then I'll say to the person, yes, but do you want to do what I did to be able to do what I do? Just pause right there. I want to be great. I want this dream. I get it all the time. Pastor, I think I'm called. I think I'm called. I'm like, <laughs> I say, uh, number one, c- c- you know, because when, c- when they come to you, the first thing they're looking for is, yeah, you call. Bless the Lord, you call. We're going to lay hands on you right now. Praise God. No. Like, um, are, you, are you doing three things? Are you inviting, are you involved, and are you tithing? Well, let me, make, let me let John do this. Okay, so people who meet me today only see the good stuff, the fruit of 30 years of work. They look at the well-lit platform, the large audiences, and the kind, warm reception I often get. They see that other people do a lot of work to get things ready, while all I have to do is teach. But it's naive for anyone to think it's always been this way. When I started teaching leadership, I drove to engagements in my Pinto. I talked to groups of about a dozen people. (laughs) I didn't get any pay. I taught people just because I wanted to help them. And he says this, he says, successful leaders are like icebergs. When you look at an iceberg, you see only about 10% of it. The rest of it is hidden under the water. When you look at successful people, our leaders, you see only a fraction of their lives. You see the part that really looks good. But there's usually a lot that remains hidden that's neither exciting nor glamorous. He says this here. He says, concentrate more on your duties than your dreams. How about that for big dreams? Noted composer and conductor Leonard Bernstein once asked which instrument he considered to be the most difficult to play. After a moment, he responded, second fiddle. I can get plenty of first violinists, but to find one who can play second fiddle with enthusiasm, that's a problem. To find one who can 
sweep the church with enthusiasm, that's a problem. But if I can find a person who can sweep a church, man, I've, I found the next King David. King David killed sheep. I mean, he, he killed lions and bears before he killed Goliath. No one saw him kill the lions and the bears. No, he, he, he was part of his service to King Saul was to actually play, play the liar. And, and Saul was depressed by an evil spirit. And every time David would play under the anointing of God, he would set King Saul free. That took a lot of practice that no one saw. It didn't just come because he was gifted. It took practice. And then he says this here. We can often become so focused on our dreams and goals that we lose sight of the responsibilities right in front of us. Effective leaders pay more attention to production than to promotion. If you want to stretch your thinking, serve a vision and a dream that's currently bigger than yours. Do it with enthusiasm. Do it with passion. Do it with honor and respect for your leaders. King Saul was crazy. He attempted to kill David multiple times. David still served him. He still loved him. He still prayed for him. So what is our excuse? And this is why I love the church. Shameless plug. Because any local church that's growing and where people are finding Jesus and lives are being changed, not just highlight any local church, that is not that pastor's vision. That is Jesus' vision given to that pastor to manage and to steward. And so we get a part to play in that. And what God is looking at is he's seeing how well, how intentional, how passionate we are about the part that we get to play in building the eternal kingdom of God. And when we put that first, there's no limit. To how high you can go. If you want to stretch your thinking, become a servant. Don't sit here and consume. I, I want to see 50% of y'all in here who are not superheroes join a church within the next month and see your life change drastically. If you want to stretch your thinking, serve a bigger vision than yours. It's a pre-qualifier for God releasing you into your dream. I love my wife, and I got five or ten minutes here. Um, we, we used to show up at our old church, uh, five locations, about 3,000 people or so. Um, this woman, <laughs> she would work a 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. shift, have worship practice to show up to at 6 a.m., but she had to get there at 7.30 because she left a 12-hour overnight shift, and, and she would change out of her scrubs. She had MRSA on her everywhere change out of her scrubs, put on her stuff, and she would just go to that church. We were meeting in a movie theater, Altamont Springs AMC movie theater, and she would just go and get to work. Plug in cords. Never once did this woman ever ask to be a lead singer. I'm not saying that because she's my wife. Never, and she knew she had the gift, and she knew she had the push, 
And she knew she had the heart and she knew she loved the Lord. Never once did she ask for a microphone. That girl was back here for five years. Where Rhoda is and where Emma, she's right here. Singing in her melody, not over singing the lead singer. Because God, God is pre-qualifying her to see if she can spring up a well in me. He's pre-qualifying her. Come on, we can clap that up. She's qualified to lead. And in, in, in that season, he stretched her thinking. Why? Because she's not, she's not focused on promotion, just up front. If you're focused on promotion and you have your own big dream, you know what you're missing? You're missing all the details of what needs to happen back here. Because as a leader, I need to know where this mic goes, where this light goes, where, the, where this guitar goes, where this thing goes. I need to know where all this goes. So what God will do when he's going to raise you up and stretch your thinking, he will put you in the back. So you can say, oh, it's much more to this than being seen. And if I don't get this, I don't get that. So what is he doing? He's, so now she gets to go home and write. He's that TV goes there. This is a production director. This is a, this is that. Now when you're here, you go home. This is simple. The details are simple because God put you in a position for years to get it. But we're a popcorn generation. I'm belaboring this point because there's a spirit in here. Not a person, but a spirit that God has called me to address. The reason you're so frustrated right now is because you're trying to bypass steps that God has ordained for you to step into. And let me tell you something, baby. If it's between you and God, you know who's going to win? And he ain't mad. He ain't mad. He don't lose sleep because he don't sleep. The Bible says he sleeps nor slumbers. So you go to bed mad because you can't get that promotion. You're like, you just spoiled. Next person. Isaiah 55. Let's, let's get out of here, man. It's supposed to be a fun day. Is this helping you? All right. 55 verse 10. We got to get out of here. Jesus. Uh, the rain and snow um, come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word. So he's giving you an analogy here that his word is seed. So whenever God gives you a vision, it is seed for tomorrow. Habakkuk, write the vision for the vision is for tomorrow. Seed doesn't grow today. It grows in the next season. Okay. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. The vision is going to prosper. You will live in joy and peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song. And the trees of the field will clap their hands. Where once there were thorns and cypress trees will grow. Where where nettles grew, myrtles will sprout up. These events will bring great honor to the Lord's name. And they will be an everlasting sign of his power and love. That's what the vision. So this is what, this is the benefit of expanding your thinking. A quick Quick four or five right here. You will be fruitful in every season. You're going to be fruitful in every season. You're going to get God-type and God-sized results. 
in every season of your life. Clarity and joy, peace, growth. Fruitful in every season. Number two, second benefit of expanding your thinking, you're going to prosper in every area of your life. When you stretch your thinking and you surround yourself with big thinkers, when you have big talk, when you serve someone else's big dream, you're going to prosper in every area of your life. And remember, I mentioned those specific areas, finances, health. You need to surround yourself with, with, with specialties. Oh, man, he counsels me in finances. He counsels me in spirit. He can, and it, you, you will prosper if you get around big thinkers. Number three, you will grow into the dreamer. That's part of what we just said. You will grow into the dreamer. You are not today who you will be tomorrow. You will be bigger, better, stronger, more equipped. And last point here, you will live in the dream. If you'd expand your thinking. I want to encourage you. It doesn't matter what other people say about you. It's none of your business. Something I'm currently walking through with my nine-year-old right now. It doesn't matter. You will live in the dream. Proverbs 23, 7a says this. And we're going to go home. It says, for as he thinks within himself, so he is. If you think big, you live big. Let's pray, church. Father, we love you. We give you praise and honor. You're so good. You're glorious. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your promises. And um, God, just, just give us the ability to have your thoughts, Lord. Help us, Lord, to surround ourselves with big thinkers. Help us, Lord, to have big talk. Give us the grace to serve big dreams. Now, with every head bowed, if you're a believer, I pray that you are praying for your future brother and sisters in Christ. Let's intercede for their salvation, for them to come to Jesus today. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I want to open up this opportunity for you. You are loved. You are forgiven. God wants to give you a dream. Today can be a new day. The Bible declares that anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And this is your morning. Now, on the count of three, we just want you to raise your hand. and We're going to pray with you. Raise your hand if you're coming to Jesus for the first time or if you're coming back to him. On the count of three, raise that hand and raise it high. We want to pray for you and with you together as a church. One, two, three. Raise it high. Raise it high. God bless you. Hallelujah. God bless you. Come on, church. Let's celebrate. Salvation reigns in this place. Thank you. All right. Let's pray, church. Say, Father God, I love you. I believe that Jesus is the Son 
of God. Forgive me for my sin. Cleanse me. Make me new. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you, church.